Hey, Moving Forward listeners, here's today's Poshmark Power Tip. Save time at the post office by using a self-serve kiosk, if available, where you can scan packages, have receipts emailed or printed out, and if your location offers after-hours access, you can scan and ship packages on evenings, Sundays, and holidays. For more Poshmark seller tips, check out the Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, which is available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and as an audiobook on Audible and Apple Audiobooks. Start learning and moving forward today. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 426 and... Uh, I apologize. There was no episode last week. I was under the weather. In fact, I'm still a little bit under the weather. So in case my voice is uh, a little bit off today, that's why I'm about 95% recovered. Just had a little bit of a bug that uh, I'm finally kicking off and uh, kicking out rather and uh, back to almost my normal self. But um, for those of you who are new, welcome. We've had a lot of new listeners over the past couple of episodes. Do check out episode 000, which is the updated trailer, which will give you a roadmap on how to approach moving forward. Generally speaking, there are three types of episodes. The legacy or the older episodes, first couple of seasons, were mostly just standalone interviews and conversations. You don't have to listen to them in any particular order. Later seasons, I've done collections and miniseries, and a lot of episodes today are either standalone, uh, I do have a couple of conversations every now and then, and then I also do updates on prior series. And over the last couple of weeks, starting with 425, I've been revisiting Poshmark, which is one of the more popular series that I've done on this podcast. And today we're going to continue with that. And today's episode is what I'm going to call Back to Basics. And last week, or two weeks ago, I covered a lot of different enhancements and new features, things like uh, additions to Poshmark Live. I covered some of the new beta features, Ambassador 2. These are all very advanced features. But today what I want to do is I want to revisit and start at the beginning. And the reason why is this, because as of this episode, we are about as in we, you know, me working with my dad, we're celebrating hard to believe five years on Poshmark. So we started around May 2018. I don't remember the exact date off the top of my head. So as of the airing of this episode, we're about at the five-year mark. And I thought what might be interesting is to share with you my thoughts on if I were starting on Poshmark today. Now, this is based off of three things. Number one, Uh, looking back on when we started, some of the challenges and we had the learning curve, that sort of thing, what would I have liked to have known then that might have been helpful starting out? Number two, the amount of best practices and and things that we've learned to really leverage Poshmark. I'm going to share a little bit of that. But also Poshmark has evolved a lot since we started. And as I cover both in my book, the Poshmark Guide, and on this podcast, there have been a lot of changes to the platform. And so starting today will look very different than it did in 2018. And what I want to do is I want to be careful. I don't want to jam too much information because that's part of the challenge of this. Yes, there are certain things that I think would have been really helpful had we started in 2018 to know, but some of what 
we've gained ha- could only be gained through experience. So I'm not going to share the kitchen sink. Really what I want to do is revisit uh, our journey on Poshmark and imagine that we're starting today, share some things that I would do exactly the same as we did back then. What are some of the things that we did uh, that I feel like we did right? But also share with you some things that would have been helpful to know. And for those of you who are starting out or thinking about launching a business on Poshmark, uh, what are some things that might be helpful to you? And I'm going to break this up really into two categories. So in the first half of the episode, we're going to go over the basics. What are some things that we would do that are the same? What are some things that are different based not only on our experience, but what's available on Poshmark in terms of, you know, what, what are the features that are on the platform? The second half of the episode, we're going to dive more into the technical aspects, the logistics, the strategy behind closing sales. And I'm also going to add, if you are expanding a retail business, some specific notes on that, because approaching Poshmark as an individual seller, if you're just selling out of your closet, as opposed to using it as a sales channel for an established retail business, there are some differences. And that's something that uh, I try to, I really was mindful of when I was writing my book was to write a book that would be accessible to both audiences. All right, so starting out, if I were starting out on Poshmark today, the first thing I would do, and this is where we started, and I recommend you do so, is do some research. Read articles on Poshmark. Read articles on the different sales platforms that are out there. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased towards Poshmark because we've had the most traction and success on it out of the e-commerce platforms that we tried. Uh, and if you listen to prior episodes uh, in the Poshmark series, you'll know that we did we tried a number of these starting back in 2016. So even before we launched on Poshmark, we'd spent two years on different platforms. I covered this extensively in the book as well. So I would recommend do some research. Now, the thing that has changed is that there are so many more platforms available uh, Poshmark was unique in 2018 that it was the, at the time, really one of the only, if not the only mobile-centric sales platform there was specifically geared towards selling clothes. That was one of the big draws. That was one of the big appeals for us. And I've talked about this on prior episodes. I cover this in the book. Today, however, there are many more platforms that are out there, ones that are geared towards specific audiences, one that are geared towards specific Uh, items, or even clothing types. So do your homework, and it may be a case of trying out more than one to see which one is a good fit for you. So even though I'm a big advocate of Poshmark and we've achieved quite a bit of success on it, I also try to maintain that objectivity that if you're starting out, do your research, read articles, read reviews, blogs, watch videos, and that sort of thing. And of course, I've got a number of episodes on our own specific journey, if you want to check those out. I have an entire collection and mini-series on Poshmark that you can check out through the podcast, or if you want, you can find the episodes bundled together on the website. Once you've decided, let's assume that you've decided you want to try selling on Poshmark, I would establish some goals. And when I say goals, I don't mean just kind of this intangible, kind of like pie in the sky type thing. Really, what is it you're trying to accomplish? Are you trying to get rid of some excess inventory? Maybe you have some stuff in your closet or your drawers that you no longer wear. And um, maybe you've donated some or maybe you've tried selling them elsewhere, but you want to try maybe a different way of doing this. 
And Poshmark might be the avenue for that. And it could be a great way for you to start, start just a little side business, selling some excess clothes that you no longer wear that someone else may want to have or may find desirable. And it's a great way for you to earn some extra cash. Maybe your goal is short term. Maybe you'll have X number of pieces. And so you're just going to list them and see how many you can sell before you decide to donate them at the end of the year or what have you. Uh, Maybe your goal, though, might be more long term. Maybe you're trying this out to see how it goes. And then you want to explore expanding this into a side business or maybe eventually a full-time business. So I would recommend write down some goals. I would definitely do a very quick audit of your schedule. Now, Poshmark, the nice thing about it is, and I've talked to people who, many different types of people who sell on the app, on the platform. Uh, Busy people can sell on Poshmark. People who are specifically in the clothing business can sell on Poshmark. It's the type of platform where you can design it to fit around your schedule. But I do think it's helpful to have an understanding of where you can find those pockets of time. For some of you, it may be that you only have a couple of minutes during the day to devote to Poshmark, and that's fine. For some of you, you may be able to structure some more time. It's going to vary depending on who you are and what else you have going on. In terms of the pre-planning, this is something I would recommend doing is Just if you don't already know where it is, take stock of where your nearest post office is, take a visit. Maybe you might find that uh, the one closest to your home is the most convenient one to go to. Maybe one that's near your workplace if you work somewhere else and then after hours is a good time for you to stop off and drop off Poshmark packages. Just kind of take stock of that. And I do recommend have at least one backup location that you can identify that you might go to just in case. Maybe one is really busy on a particular day. If there's another one that's not too far away, it might be worth knowing, you know, I have a couple of backups. And for us, we have two locations that we primarily use, and then we have at least two others that we know of that we can go to in a pinch. Uh, With this specific visit to the post office, there are a couple things I would recommend doing. Number one, just get a lay of the land. Uh, if it's not too busy, maybe introduce yourself to the, to some of the uh, people who are working there because if you start selling and building momentum, you're going to be visiting them a lot. And uh, I can tell you from our experience, having sold uh, quite a bit on Poshmark, we have a couple of people who, we've, uh, who recognize us and who know us uh, from over the years that we've, we've shipped out packages. It's a good idea also to see If there is after-hours access, now this will vary on location, but some locations will allow you to access the post office after hours, meaning after regular business hours, Sundays, holidays, that sort of thing. Uh, Obviously, there won't be someone there uh, staffed at the post office, but if they have a self-service kiosk, it looks like an ATM machine. It's basically like this central computer in which you can scan packages uh, you can uh, and usually right next to it there's a tumbler in which you can drop off the packages make note of that because the self-serve kiosk is one of the biggest time savers in my opinion it's one of the ways that we've been able to run our Poshmark business efficiently is by using the self-serve kiosk there are a couple of advantages to this number one 
typically the line will not be nearly as long for the self-serve kiosk as it is for the physical line to the to the help desk. So there have been times where the line to actually drop off a package or to get assistance from the actual person manning the desk is very long, but there's been no line at the self-serve kiosk. So I just use the self-serve kiosk. And the great thing is you can scan the packages because once you've confirmed that you've shipped it, you want that status change. You want that confirmation that um, that the package is tracking. And one of the ways to ensure that if you're dropping off a package is to do the self-serve uh, kiosk and scan the package. You can also print out a receipt. You can email yourself a receipt through the kiosk. It's really great for that purpose. Um, also, in general, the kiosk is great if you have other things you need to ship out and you need to maybe buy postage, that sort of thing. It's really very versatile. There's a lot you can do with it. So I would, re- I would recommend make note of that if there is a self-serve kiosk and if there is after-hours access, that's going to be very helpful to you. The other thing you can do at your local post office is that most post office locations will have a section where you can pick up free shipping supplies, and these will include boxes, um, maybe other supplies that are available. You can ask someone if you're not sure. Uh, remember, use the priority mailboxes. Don't use the express ones. Uh, those you can't use for Poshmark shipments, uh, as far as I know. I th- that was the case back in 2018. I believe that's still true. Uh, I usually just... And although technically you're allowed to use flat rate boxes, I've had inconsistent incons- experiences with that. We generally avoid those and just use the regular priority ones. So you can pick those up. However, you may find the selection a little bit limited. I would recommend go to the website store.usps.com and order supplies. The nice thing is you can order shipping supplies, which include boxes. You can even get things like uh, uh, priority mail packing tape, that sort of thing. And it's free and you can get it delivered right to your house. So I would recommend order some boxes. I mean, based off of your inventory, it's probably going to be the the medium to, to large boxes, depending on the kind of garment you're going to send out. They even have boxes for shoes. So if you're selling things like shoes, you can do that. And then they have smaller boxes if you're selling smaller items like jewelry, that kind of thing. So I would recommend get all of those things in mind. Uh, the one thing you will need some kind of access to is some kind of printer to print out the labels. Now, you have two options with that. If you already have a printer, uh, say in your home, uh, that you can use, you know, inkjet, laser. I, I prefer laser over inkjet, but that'll work fine. You can print out labels on any printer that you have that's connected to your computer uh, or your, you know, you can oftentimes use the uh, Bluetooth connection if it's a wireless printer to print it right from your phone. Um, you don't need, I don't think at the very beginning, if you're just starting out and maybe you're on a limited budget, I wouldn't recommend investing in a thermal printer until you start really picking up sales uh, because a thermal printer is nice and it's specifically uh, great for labels. If you want to print out packing labels that you can just peel off and stick on the box and they don't require ink. However, it is an investment of additional funds and you don't know how you're going to do yet. So I'm a big proponent of not investing in new equipment unless you really know you're going to need it or you, you've gotten to the point where it's going to save you time or money in the long run. But when you're just starting out, I would recommend just using a regular printer. Now, if you don't happen to have one, you can still run a Poshmark business. It's just going to take a little more organization on your part because now, and this was not available at the time when we started, you can 
use the QR shipping code. So like basically you can generate a QR shipping code uh, on the app based off of the sale. And then you can take that to the post office and you can get that scanned by the person at the desk and they can generate the label, put it on your package and ship it out for you. So if you don't have a printer, uh, that's an option. However, there are, in my opinions, two drawbacks to this. Number one, first of all, the QR ship code I can confirm does not work with the self-serve kiosk. So it's going to require you to go during regular business hours and stand in line if you want to use this feature. Second of all, you're going to have to keep very organized. You're going to have to make sure that you're using the right QR code for the right shipment. And if you have multiple packages that you're shipping out together, that means organizing and keeping track of multiple QR codes. So what I recommend you do is you might want to use a, a marker or a pen and write on the box maybe the last four digits of the uh, order number from the sale just so you know which QR code to use with which box. Generally speaking, I think it's better for one-off if you don't have access to a printer and maybe you just need to ship something out right away. If, however, you're finding that you're getting multiple orders, it is worth considering investing in a printer uh, or a thermal printer. So if you start to generate sales and you find you're getting traction, it's a good problem to have. It's worth it for you to maybe invest in a printer. All right, let's talk about setting up your store. Here's something that I would that we did that I recommend you do if you're starting out, and this is something we would still do, you know, if we were setting it up today. Focus a little bit of time on your branding. When it comes to picking a Poshmark username, if you already have a retail business, you're going to probably want to tie that to the retail business, either uh, the exact same name or a variation on that name. Think of a cool brand. If you're just selling this from your closet, you can come up with a different brand and, you know, I'll leave it to you to kind of brainstorm that. But I do recommend put some time into your branding. That includes coming up with a header photo. And I've talked about in past episodes, what we did was we just used a panoramic shot. I just took a panoramic photo from my iPhone uh, of the sh of the physical store because our Poshmark uh, store is an extension of a retail business just to provide that consistent branding. So you don't have to do anything super fancy. You might want to take uh, a nice photo of, of the items that you're selling, or it could be anything, something that's tied to your branding. And I do recommend uh, come up with a photo for your avatar. It could be a headshot of you if it's a, just you selling items from your closet. It could be a specific logo if it's part of a an established business. But do spend time on that. I find that you make a better first impression when you put a couple of extra minutes into that. Do fill out your bio. Do fill out your about me section because that's where you'll find a lot of interactions. People will ask questions. You'll get messages, uh, you know, welcoming you to Poshmark, engage with those people. So do set up some of that. And if appropriate, fill in the fields for things like your social media. If, you, if you're already active on social media, you can tie it to your Poshmark store and just have links available. If you have a website, that's always helpful to have things like that. So think about your integrating your Poshmark store to anything else that you have out there uh, digitally that may be, of, may be helpful to you. Because if you've already established an audience on social media, then it naturally that will help you in terms of building your initial momentum when you're starting to sell on Poshmark. Now, if you don't have a big presence on social media, a question that I've gotten asked 
is do I need to start on social media if I don't have a robust social media presence? Here's kind of my take on this. Opinions will vary. But I've seen people who have set up, say, Instagram accounts or Twitter accounts just because they're on Poshmark. My feeling on that is that it's a lot of extra work. And if you don't already have an established presence on those platforms, you don't necessarily need to go out and start on those because it's going to be slow growth in the beginning. You're already going to be spending a lot of time building up momentum on Poshmark. Why add to that with external social media? Especially if you don't have a large following or no following, you're going to be spending a lot of time trying to build up that audience externally. And it's not really going to drive a lot of sales, at least not in the beginning. So I would recommend just kind of take stock of where you are already. If you're using social media and it's you're fairly active on it, it might be worth it for you to tie in your Poshmark store and mention that to your audience and your followers if it's appropriate, if it fits. Uh, for some of you, if you're really good at social media, maybe it is worth the effort of starting out. But for those of you who, if you don't have a large presence, uh, I don't necessarily think it's it's needed for you to start on social media just because you're launching a Poshmark store, just because it's going to be a lot of extra work. Now, if you stick with it, maybe down the road, it might be worth it. You might want to grab and park the handles that are consistent with your Poshmark store's brand. I mean, that's entirely up to you, but that's a, a judgment call that you can make. All right. Let's talk a little bit about inventory on hand. So if you're starting out as an individual on Poshmark, and I'll talk about retail businesses a little bit later, start with inventory you have on hand that you want to get rid of. Think of clothes, especially ones that you barely wore or maybe you got as a gift and it just wasn't a right fit or a right match for you, and it's just been sitting in your closet or drawer. Those are the items you should be looking at. And today, what's different about Poshmark from when we started is that there are many different types of items now. You're not just relegated to clothes. Uh, anything from uh, home goods, uh, I've seen people selling paintings, books, that sort of thing, uh, electronic items, pet goods. There are so many different types of item categories. Do explore them. Poshmark is still, in my opinion, primarily driven by clothes. That is kind of the bread and butter. That's really what it's known as, known for. But know that there are many different types of item categories that you can sell. So if you have, say, an, a leftover, maybe a, an old iPod that you're not using anymore, you might want to list it on Poshmark and see uh, if you're able to, to unload it for some cash. Um, you know, think in terms of what you have on hand that you're no longer using that someone else may may uh, want to have. And those are the types of things you want to think about. Now, spend some time on cleaning up those items, especially if you're selling secondhand or used items, and especially when it comes to clothes. If there are pop stitches, loose buttons, do your best to kind of fix those. If there are stains, try to clean all of those out beforehand. Take it to the dry cleaner or, or run it through the laundry before you list it for sale. Make it as presentable as possible. And then uh, anything you can't buff out, anything you can't fix, if there is a flaw or maybe a slight damage, that doesn't mean you can't sell it. It just means you're going to have to be very conscientious and proactive in disclosing that when you sell it, both in your description and in your photos. All right, let's talk about listings in particular. Now, one thing that we did... Uh, from the beginning, which we would continue to do if we were starting today, is that we used pretty much just a consistent 
area for our photos. So I recommend designate a corner of your house, if you're doing this in your home, to use as your makeshift studio. And that doesn't have to be anything fancy. It could just be a very simple corner of your house. Uh, just set up some area in which you're going to do photo shoots. Uh, I recommend just make sure it's a place or an area that has good lighting, whether it's natural light or artificial light, because really that's going to be key to taking decent photos. Now, you don't have to be a professional photographer. We're proof positive that all of this can be done on your smartphone, and you don't have to be an expert photographer to do this. But I do recommend use a mannequin or model. The model can be you, especially if it's your clothes, it's going to fit best on you, or a friend. Clothes tend to work better. If you're selling clothes, they tend to market themselves better if they're on a physical form. Clothing is just one of those things that's just so three-dimensional that putting it on a hanger, in my opinion, just doesn't do them justice. Especially when it comes to certain types of items, you're just not going to get the full contours and the effects. So either use a, a, a mannequin or a model, whether that's yourself or someone else, that's my recommendation. Now, in the beginning, when you're just starting out, you may not uh, have access to a mannequin. So again, use yourself or use a friend to model the clothes. Um, if that's not practical, I mean, don't don't overthink it. If you have to start out with hangers, that's fine. But I do recommend consider at some point maybe investing in a mannequin. You can find secondhand or used ones. Uh, there's plenty of them out there. Uh, and they're not that expensive. Or you can order new ones on places like Amazon too. You don't need anything super fancy or expensive, just something that will help fill out the form. For photos, this is kind of uh, a change from when we started. Back when we started, it was limited to eight photos. You now have 16. I recommend when you're doing your photo shoot days, just take multiple angles from broad angles to close-ups many different angles of the items because now you've got a wide berth. You've got a lot of photos to play with. But I do recommend leave a couple of photos blank. So don't use up all 16. And even back when we had only eight, we would usually leave about maybe two or three because one of the best practices that we discovered along the way is that when someone has a specific question, answering it by chat or by text is kind of, level one. But if it's a visual kind of question that can be answered by a photo, that tends to be that much more effective. And having those extra spaces allows you to take, say, an extra photo, maybe a, a up close of a collar or something like that, to answer a question visually. And oftentimes that can mean the difference between uh, closing a sale with someone on the fence and someone who's just not sure because you're showing that extra level of effort. And that's what you want. You really want to engage with uh, inquiries and potential customers. Um, I recommend, was not available in 2018, has been a staple for the last two years, video. If we were starting today, every listing we would do a video. And that's one of the reasons why I recommend do have uh, a mannequin or a model because it's just also that much more amenable to being shot on video. Clothes that are hanging on hangers, there's not much you can capture. It's really difficult to capture the nuances, and it, to my, in my opinion, doesn't look that great on on video. But if you have a mannequin, if you have the item on a mannequin or a model, you can take your phone and you can basically do a 360 around the garment to really show it uh, as a three dimensional uh, item, just to show off all the different angles. Videos can be up to 
I think like less than 15 seconds or I think it's either 12 or 15. I usually get them within 12 seconds. Um, if you want, you can add sound or voiceover to it. You don't have to. At the very minimum, what I would recommend doing is removing external sound because oftentimes when I see videos on Poshmark, there's a lot of background noise, you know, tire screeching, dogs barking, that kind of thing. When you shoot the video, I recommend don't do it on the app. Do it just separately on your phone and then just do it in portrait tall mode because that works best with the Poshmark listing. And then just you edit the video and and. On iPhones, I'm assuming maybe on Androids as well, I'm not 100% sure, you could just do a one-touch edit to remove the background noise, and that's all you need to do. Now, I have episodes, and in my book I cover, if you really want to spruce up a video with some some music or some voiceover, I do go more into that, that's a little more advanced, but at the very minimum, remove the background noise, have like a 360 video, and add that to the listing. Don't shoot it in high def, doesn't have to be anything like crazy like 1080 or HD because that's just going to make it that much of a bigger file and it's going to make it it's going to take that much longer to upload just something that's clean and clear enough so that the person can get a good visual of it and i recommend save the videos on your phone if you can i know it they take up a lot of space because what happens is when you post a new listing with a video it automatically will double post that as your live story uh, on Poshmark. And if you ever want to reuse that video in your live story, you can if it's saved on your album, and then you can just tag the listing. So it's, it, it can act as evergreen marketing to reuse and repost every now and then, and that's that's what we do. So I do recommend videos. You know, unfortunately, because video has only been out for about a year or two, and we have well over a 1,000 listings, we haven't been able to go back and add video to all of our legacy or older listings. But if we were starting today, video is definitely something I would do for every listing out of the gate. Uh, I recommend in your copy, your descriptive copy, you know, keep the headline pretty straightforward. You have enough characters to give a pretty good description. And then in the descriptive copy, you know, that's a good place to put in things like uh, color or make or brand that kind of thing the the style do disclose any flaws that's a big one as i mentioned before you want to do your best to kind of clean out any flaws or fix any minor repairs uh anything that needs minor repairs but if there's something you can't fix or if there's a scuff mark that won't come out do disclose that both in the photos be explicit take like a close-up photo of it and put it in the description someone may still want to buy that item they may it may be a discounted item. They may offer you a little bit less than what you're asking for, but it may be worth it if you can if you can uh, sell that item because someone may not mind that uh, that there's a slight flaw with it. And I recommend it's not a bad idea to start your inventory organization early. This is something we didn't do, uh, which I wish we had uh, done from day one. But keep track of your inventory. And you can do this as simply as keeping a spreadsheet or even just writing it in a journal book. But I recommend with each item, and this is the one thing we did do, which made inventory management that much easier later on, is add what's called an SKU number or a stock keeping unit number. Now that can be anything from a code number that's on the tag to one you make up on your own, something to identify the item 
and make a note of it. So for example, let's say you, you list a pair of blue jeans and the tag has a code number on it, a barcode number or something. Or it could be a style number. Some garments have a designated style number. Use that as your SKU. You can write in SKU or you can write in style number and then just add that number because that's part of the searchability. If you ever need to find something quickly, it'll make it that much easier for you to find it and narrow it down. And I recommend start this practice early. Even if you if you don't plan on expanding or, or you know adding that many listings, it's a good idea to keep it organized. And if you can, keep your Poshmark items, if you're doing this from home, in one area, maybe a separate closet. Or if you really want to be organized, what you might want to do, if these are items that you know for sure that you're going to sell and you're not going to do anything else with them, you might want to pre-pack them. You might want to pre-pack them in, uh, you know, just make sure that they're wrapped nicely, put them in the box, and then leave the box open. And then on top of the box, write down the item and your... Uh, SKU number. And so when the item sells, it's ready to go. You basically just find the box with the corresponding SKU number where the item and just put the label on it and and you're ready to go. Or if you're using the QR code, uh, you know, you could just take it to the post office and scan that. I do recommend if you're going to do that, do take extra photos before you put it in the box, whether you pre-pack it or whether you just have it ready to go and then you sell it and then you have to pack it, do take photos beforehand just so you have a fresh set in your phone. And this goes more to um, in case there's an issue, if the buyer happens to open a case, you have a fresh set of photos to provide as evidence of the condition in which you sold it. So those are the basics on what I would do with listings. I've incorporated things that we did from the beginning that we would still do and some newer things that we would do at the outset if we were launching today based on uh, best practices and uh, features that are available today. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Speaking of inventory management, uh, on the break, you're going to hear a little bit about the Poshmark Seller Journal. And then when we come back, I'm going to talk about some uh, just more of the bigger picture strategic uh, uh, considerations for closing sales. And I'm also going to talk specifically about retail businesses. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, I've talked about on the Poshmark mini series how staying organized and knowing your negotiating guidelines are key to running a successful business on Poshmark. That's why I've developed the Poshmark Seller Journal for Individuals and Small Businesses, a journal containing worksheets for inventory management and establishing negotiating guideposts for your listings. Included are sample worksheets that are filled out as examples to help new and experienced Poshmark sellers. It's available now on Amazon, or you can find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. If you want to learn more about starting a business on Poshmark, I've also written a book, The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, which is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Stay organized with The Poshmark Seller Journal and start moving forward today. All right, we're back. At the first half of 426, we talked about what I would do if I were launching on Poshmark today. Specifically geared, if I if if you're an individual, what are some uh, things that you might want to do from the outset to stay organized? 
All right, now in the second half, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the bigger picture things. We're going to talk about strategy and activities that will help you close more sales. So first thing I would recommend is be proactive. And when I say proactive is when you start posting on Poshmark, you're going to get comments, you're going to get likes, you're going to get follows. Even before you list anything, you may get welcome messages from different postures do engage and interact with them of course one thing that we've been consistent about is that we do not engage outside of the platform and so sometimes unfortunately and this is a fact of e-commerce life you may get messages from quote-unquote would-be buyers who will offer to buy the item outright or even at a higher price but they'll invite you to engage outside of the platform I did a whole episode on Poshmark Safety Basics, so I'm going to refer you back to that. But generally speaking, we stay within the app. The one minor distinction is if you are doing this as a retail business, sometimes you may get inquiries from customers who are nearby to see if they can come by to your shop. And that's one of the uh, unexpected benefits that we experienced with Poshmark was that having that presence online allowed us to not only increase sales overall through this online channel, but to increase in-person sales. And we, we've we had a number of customers that have come from uh, nearby or neighboring states that um, have become customers who initially discovered us on Poshmark. But engaging in general, I think, is an important activity that should be part of your Poshmark routine. Follow Poshers who follow you like their items or share their items and then the share button is just that kind of that square button with the dual arrows this was the one big missed opportunity for us is that when we started we didn't have the benefit of really knowing how to engage in poshmark and as i talked about the first at the first half of the episode you don't have to spend in my opinion a lot of time on external social media because one of the benefits of poshmark is that it has its own robust community of buyers and sellers And Poshmark has integrated a lot of social media type of features into its platform. So you're going to, I find it's more effective to spend time engaging within the Poshmark community than it is trying to push out items onto external social media. Now, the exception to that is if you have a robust following, you have a lot of people who are following you on social media, it may be worth your time to share what you're doing on Poshmark to those followers. You may gain customers externally. But for the most part, for those of you who don't have a robust social media presence, focus your time engaging within Poshmark itself. And when you get questions, be responsive, that sort of thing. All right. I recommend that in order to really gain traction on Poshmark, it's all about keeping your listings rejuvenated. And it's not just enough to create great photos and copy and things like that. Do make sure that you're keeping your plants watered, as as it were, as, as I'll use this an analogy. It's not enough just to list it and leave it. And that was a mistake that we made, is that we listed items every week, but we didn't really do much with them after that. We were just kind of sitting back waiting for things to happen. And one of the best ways that you can gain traction and build up a following and eventually close sales is to share out your listings. And they've made it that much easier to do so. Because back in 2018, you had to do this kind of one at a time. But now, you can do what's called bulk sharing. 
you click on the little tool icon and then you can do um, bulk share and you can share out all of your listings either checking off the ones you want to share or you can use the select all there's now a select all feature and I recommend in the beginning share out your items especially if you don't have that many maybe you only have five or ten items it's worth your time to share those items as much as you can both to your followers and you know, as you start on Poshmark, you'll gain followers very quickly, but also to Poshmark parties. Uh, these are designated hours in which uh, buyers and sellers congregate, and there are basically two types of parties. There are specific theme parties that are related to a brand or an item type of item, and there are general open parties which occur uh, at um, 10 o'clock Eastern time. And those are open to all items. I recommend share your items and attend as many parties as you can. And attending a party, if you only have a couple of items, is, is going to take you less than a couple of minutes. If you have a large number of items, you can bulk share them. And that's what we do is that we bulk share items at least twice a week. I used to do this every day, but at least now twice a week, I, I try to share out to specific parties that are related and tied into our item categories were the most of the listings that we have. And it really helps keep your listings active. And you're, you're adding that SEO juice to your listings. So let's talk about search engine optimization. By sharing your listings regularly, it helps keep it at the forefront. It also will get it more exposure to an audience, especially a potential buyer who may be looking for that item. But the other thing I've discovered that it does is it actually helps it with its search engine optimization in general. We've discovered that some items that we've shared so many times actually will pull up on Google search results for someone who's searching for a specific kind of item or brand or style number, and this is where that SKU comes in handy. Uh, our Poshmark listing will sometimes uh, appear towards the top or at the very top just because of the number of times that we've shared it. That's part of that search engine optimization. Other things you can do to enhance your search engine optimization, and this goes back to the listing process, is that one thing that is available that wasn't in 2018 is that you can add what are called style tags. These are basically Poshmark's version of hashtags, and I do recommend add, you get three per listing, add all three, whether it's a color, uh, a garment type, an occasion. You can create your own if there's not one that's already pre-filled. But get an idea of the hashtag, uh, style tags rather that are really trending and, and put ones that are really popular as appropriate into your listings. Another uh, hack that some Poshmark sellers do is that they will put actual hashtags in the description. Now, I do recommend write out an actual description, uh, but underneath that, if you want to put some hashtags, uh, you can do that because that will actually work as, um, as a searchable term on, on Poshmark as well. When it comes to negotiating sales, I'm just going to give you the basics. This is one thing I recommend. If you're just get, getting rid of an item, maybe something that you're no longer aware that you've had for a long time, get into what's called salvage value mindset, which is basically any price that I'm offered for it, it's just cash to remove something I'm no longer wearing and taking up space. And in that case, you can be fairly flexible. If it's a newer item or maybe it's a premium item or something like a collector's edition of something, you're going to want to be a little more strategic with how you price things. 
and I go more into this on prior episodes, I go into this in my book, on how to set negotiating guidelines, uh, including an upper bound, a lower bound. I talk about this concept that I call zone of agreement. I do recommend check out prior episodes on this. I also, uh, in the seller journal, have created sheets where you can write these out for each item. And this will just help you as you're negotiating because oftentimes Poshmark is really about negotiating. You may list an item for a price someone may offer. In fact, the majority of purchases are going to be based off of offers that uh, uh, buyers will make for your item. And whether or not you choose to accept, decline, or counteroffer, I think will be based in large part on the guideposts that you set. Now, these guideposts are for you yourself internally. These are not things you're going to share, but I do recommend set some sort of uh, guidepost in terms of negotiating. In other words, uh, where you're more willing to accept an offer. Because I guarantee you, if you've not, if you're not used to this, you may spin your wheels trying to determine whether or not an offer is, is right or not. And what I don't want to have happen is either you accept an offer that's too low or you decline an offer and you start second guessing yourself. There's a there's a methodical way to approach negotiating. Again, I cover this on prior episodes. I cover this in my book, and I have a seller journal that uh, will help you kind of establish those guideposts for yourself. So be strategic about it, but do some basic research when you're listing an item. Pricing is always uh, can be a little bit of a part science and part guesswork. See what that item is selling for. Similar items were the exact same items. Especially if it's a collector's edition where it's rare, it might be more valuable than, say, just an everyday, ordinary item that you're listing. So pricing is part art and part science. So you're going to want to kind of establish those things as you're listing your items. All right. For retail businesses, I will say uh, the, the biggest challenge for a retail business is inventory management. It's it's already challenging enough if you're an individual and you're doing this out of your home, you know, beyond simply four or five items, maybe you're selling a bunch of items. Space, uh, where they are, that sort of thing, that's a challenge I think every Poshmark seller has. But in particular for a retail business, you're going to want to keep track of items that you have in stock in store that you've also listed on Poshmark. Now, the one thing about Poshmark, and I've actually talked about this in the book, I've talked about this on episodes, and I've also shared this feedback with Poshmark. The one big drawback about Poshmark as an extension for a retail business is that it does not communicate with point of purchase systems that retail businesses might be using. So my dad's shop, for example, has its own system to keep track of inventory. When he sells an item, that item is scanned or it's entered into the computer system and then that inventory is marked as sold. Consequently, if that item happens to be listed on Poshmark and we sell it on Poshmark, we have to have some sort of feedback loop to let the system know that that item is no longer available. Or conversely, if we have an item that's listed on Poshmark and we happen to sell it in store, we need some sort of communication such that we know to uh, take that item down or mark it not for sale. So I recommend come up with a system. I'll share what our very simple system is. Any item we have listed on Poshmark, we put a check mark on the tag. So that way, 
if it sells in store and they and let's say my dad or a salesperson knows they see that check mark they know that it's listed on Poshmark so they can notify me uh, because I mostly run the Poshmark uh, side of things and I can go in and adjust the listing myself uh, or vice versa if we happen to sell an item on Poshmark then they'll know to to market accordingly it's not perfect and it does require some organization and some uh, you know really just uh, coordination if if you're working with a partner or sales staff really just kind of maybe doing a little bit of training but come up with some sort of protocol to keep track of your inventory the other thing that is a little bit of a challenge not so much for us because it's mostly just me and my dad but uh, this is a determination you've got to make is who in, in a retail business you're going to be sharing access to the account with now my hope is that one day Poshmark will create things like sub-accounts that you can issue to sales staff. But right now, if you share a Poshmark login, they have access to all the information. Uh, it's like sharing a bank account. So just kind of be careful with that. Come up with policies. Or you know, if you're working with a partner, obviously th those are things that you're going to want to talk about. But those are sort of the big picture logistical considerations for running a Poshmark store. I have one more thing that I'll add in the category of something we might do differently if we were starting today. And I'm going to put an asterisk on this because we have not yet explored or used this feature. But uh, recently, and this was in the news and I think it was shared out uh, by a couple of employees that I'm connected with on LinkedIn on Poshmark, Poshmark Live uh, has overall seems to be a very robust feature that a lot of sellers are having success with. I think in the last quarter, it brought something like $32 million of additional revenue for the company. So obviously, there are a lot of transactions happening through live. I've spoken with uh, a seller who does a lot of lives and has made that part of her regular routine. And she told me that a lot of her sales are now coming directly through live. So one thing I might do differently if I were starting today is to start doing live maybe a little bit earlier. Now, I put an asterisk on that because I don't have personal experience with the feature, so I can't give you any anecdotal you know, uh, results on how we've done with that, but that is something I think I would consider. Now, the one thing you might want to do is currently live, as I mentioned on last uh, the last episode, you still have to apply to have that feature turned on. And one of my other friends who's also a Poshmark seller just put in that request. It's a form to fill out. I'll have it linked in the write-up. But uh, apparently there's a waiting list now. So I, I guess it's a feature that a lot of poshers are requesting. I might, if I were starting today, put in the request a little bit early. I don't know how they prioritize who gets it first. But in the meantime, I would focus on the fundamentals that we've covered today. That's, I think, going to be crucial and important to building up your experience and also uh, generating followers and eventually closing sales. F focus on those fundamentals. But the one thing I might uh, add to that, and again, maybe I'll do a future episode once we've had a chance to explore live and try it out, I might explore doing live on Poshmark a little bit earlier rather than later. At the very least, maybe put in the uh, request to have the feature turned on because if there is a wait list, it might take a little while. And remember, there are two different types of live shows. You could do the silent 
Live, which is just basically a um, half hour or hour in which you're sharing listings and people can bid on them and interact through chat or the live stream, which is more just the camera camera on and you engaging uh, on camera with uh, those who are attending your Poshmark parties. There's a lot more I could cover, but I wanted to cover the main basics on what I would focus on if I were starting a Poshmark business today, whether as an individual or as an established business, obviously have some goals in mind, being organized, uh, getting your inventory kind of uh, in order, keep it in one place if you can, designating your studio. And then I've talked about things like listing logistics, details, things like video, stock keeping unit numbers or style numbers, and uh, style tags, as well as a little bit on negotiating sales. Again, I have more episodes that go into that, but today it was just kind of an overview of back to basics, what I would focus on if I were launching a Poshmark business today. Obviously, this is not a comprehensive episode. If you want to learn more about Poshmark, I encourage you to check out the prior episodes in the Poshmark collection, the mini-series. You can find them all together on the website at bemovingforward.com. I also have a book, The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, which is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook versions on Audible and Apple Audiobooks. And I've also created a separate seller journal to help you keep track of your inventory and set negotiating guidelines. You can find both titles on Amazon or through quick links, which are available on the website, bemovingforward.com, and in the show notes for today's episode. All right, the write-up is going to be a little bit delayed just because I'm still catching up on a lot of things. So I'm going to try to have it up by Friday, by tomorrow. If not, it will be available this weekend at bemovingforward.com. It will also be added to the Poshmark series collection page. Next week, episode 427, will be the mid-season finale, just looking ahead. So I'm going to close out this half of the season. Next week, I'm going to also wrap up uh, this look at Poshmark. So uh, I've got uh, one more topic I want to cover uh, this quarter with Poshmark. And then just looking ahead, I'm going to be taking two weeks off as we move into June. I can't believe we're already moving into June. And and uh, I'm going to be taking a much needed break. And then I'll be returning with episode 428 to kick off the summer movie series. That'll be on Thursday, June 15th. So Next week will be 427. That'll be the mid-season finale and the wrap-up on this revisit of Poshmark for now. And then I'm going to be taking two weeks off and then back on Thursday, June 15th with episode 428 and the 2023 summer movie series kickoff. Uh, I'm also going to mention this again next week uh, just uh, as, as an FYI. But I hope you're all having a great week. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back next week. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.